If you would, join me in your text, the 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That'll be, this will be our final lesson today from the 1 Corinthians text in chapter 15. I was on a, a teen mission trip in Mobile, Alabama with a group of teenagers from here at the Heartland Church, and we were in the process of doing a neighborhood campaign where we would knock on doors and we would share the gospel. And in the process of knocking on those doors and sharing the gospel, we had some women, some middle-aged women, who decided to give their lives to Christ in baptism. And so we all went up to the church building and met at the church building around the baptistry. And Big Chuck, who was the minister of the inner city ministries in Mobile, was in the water and he was holding the baptisms and doing the baptisms. And there was a 10 year old boy who stood next to me, who was the, the child of one of the of, of the ladies who was being baptized. And he looked up to me and he said, preacher, he said, what is this baptism thing? Tell me, tell me about this. I don't understand it. And I said, well, well young man, I said, here's baptism is the symbol of the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. And so those who are being baptized are are able to take part symbolically in what Jesus took part in. And he, he thought for a moment, you could tell the wheels were turning with this little boy. And he looked back up and he said, preacher, he said, it's probably a good thing that they included the resurrection part or this wouldn't be a very popular thing to do. <laughs> and I said, young man, you know, you're right. He said, yeah, he said, it's a good thing. That you get to be resurrected because just the death and burial would not be fun. But I bet not very many people would take part. So two weeks ago, I kind of launched into a series, a three lesson series, if you will, four if you want to include next week. But next week's going to be a little different because we're going to bring it all together. But these three lessons were to design to kind of teach us a little bit deeper thoughts about the resurrection so that when Easter weekend rolls around and so many people kind of have an open ear to the gospel message, we would really have it on our mind and on our heart to include that important aspect of resurrection with our discussion and not just get caught up in the death and burial of Jesus, but to know that we serve a living God. And so I hope I hope that that goal has been accomplished. I hope today we'll kind of hammer it home. Week number one, we looked at some very at a very unlikely messenger of the gospel message that included the resurrection and his passion about the resurrection. Last week, we looked at how the resurrection affects Christianity as a whole. And today we're going to take a look at how the resurrection affects all of us. See, Paul and his teachings here in first Corinthians, he's going to deal with an important question here at the tail end. And I'm, I'm going to I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. Turn with me, if you would, to our text for today. First Corinthians 15, and we're going to start in verse 35. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. But God gives it a body as he is determined. 
And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men of one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And the stars differ from star to star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body and it is raised a spiritual body. Paul expects two questions to be asked following his teaching on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. The first one is, how are the dead raised? And the second is, what kind of body will they have? Now, the first question, I think Paul kind of uses common sense here, and I hope that you can use common sense. And this is it. If you are a Christian today, or if you were a follower of God, you would believe something pretty simple as you looked out upon the world, right? And that would be that God created all of this. Yes or no? Absolutely. You look around this room, and even though you may feel sorry for some, we know that God created everyone in this room, right? And we have faith in that. Let me ask you a question. Would it be any more difficult for God to raise a broken body than it was for him to create the body in the first place? The answer is no. God can do whatever God wants to do. So Paul kind of allows that that uh, that thought, that simple, simple thought to resonate for question number one. And question number one is, how will God raise the body? Whatever way he chooses. Whatever way he chooses, because God is God and God can do whatever God wants to do. The second question is a little more complex. Because, of course, people are going to wonder, well, when I'm resurrected, what am I going to look like? Right? What's the body going to look like? Now, brothers and sisters, we live in a time where there are some very popular shows out there like The Walking Dead and some of these other television shows. These zombies are a big thing, right? Oh, you got zombie everything. Okay? So our idea of what a risen body looks like, what I want to tell you this morning is quite different than what we might see in Scripture. And so I hope to be able to kind of bring that home. How are the dead raised and what kind of body will they have? These are the two questions we're going to tackle. Paul uses the illustration of planting a seed to demonstrate the process of God taking one organism, the seed, and creating from it another organism, the plant. While the plant is related to the seed, God has given it a new and different body. You know, Paul uses an illustration first of something that they would understand, that they would be very good at understanding because it's what they did almost every day in their life. They had the plant and they reaped what they sowed. And so they understood a little bit about planting the seed. And what they didn't understand necessarily in depth is what happened underneath the ground, what they couldn't see. They didn't have all the technology to know some of the things we know now. But what they did know is they would put something in the ground and they knew what it looked like when it popped up out of the ground. 
And so Paul uses this to symbolize this spiritual journey. And our response with our message should be the same. It would be to work very hard to connect with people when we talk to them in ways that they can understand, ways that they can relate to. One of the one of the biggest responsibilities as a preacher and as a teacher is to come up with illustrations that help us connect with the story. And this is what what uh, Paul demonstrates he's very good at. Now, in the gospel, we see in Mark chapter four, verses 26 and tw- through 28, another another example. He said uh, it was said he also said this is what the kingdom of God is like. This being the teachings of Jesus, a man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how all by itself. The soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, the the full kernel and then the full kernel in the head. Someone I respect in life, perhaps more than any other person, as Alex kind of alluded to early family is Jeanette's dad. Jeanette's dad is a really neat man. He comes from Tennessee and the deep south and her mom kind of the same way. And this is what I'll tell you about them. They can go out in their yard anywhere. You know, you pick the spot. They can turn over a little ground and they'll throw some seed down in it. And within just a few weeks, they will have some of the prettiest flowers or he will have one of the the best gardens in the neighborhood. And, and he doesn't water, he doesn't fertilize, he doesn't do any of that stuff. And I'll ask him, I'll say, Carl, how do you do that? And this has been his answer time and time again. I sit back and I watch nature do what nature does. Now, I would put this a little different. If I were Carl, I would say I sit back and I watch God be God. Because this is what... God can do. Sometimes, church, we have to get out of the way and we have to allow God to do what God does. And the resurrection is one of these ways. The idea of raising us from sin and death and evil is one of the ways that only God can do that good work. Paul uses an example of the, 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 the built things in our world, the mountains and the seas is example number two. He says the world has one splendor and God has another. To illustrate the difference between the pre-resurrected body and the post-resurrected body. Resurrection, and hear me say this this morning because Jesus illustrates this better than any other, any other illustration we have. Resurrection is not reconstruction. It's continuation of God's creation. You hear what I said, church? God doesn't take at resurrection and reconstruct everything. So if you're sad that at resurrection and and this kind of saddened me a little bit, because when I thought about it, I thought, you know, this resurrection thing might be a pretty good deal for me. You know, because I was thinking I was thinking, you know, I would have a really good like Justin Bieber look, right? A little thinner, a little taller, a little bigger biceps, maybe. I mean, I could be looking good at this thing. But unfortunately, this is not what the resurrection is about. It's a continuation. And so it is important how we live on this side 
of the resurrection, because what God's going to do is he's going to take that seed and he's going to continue that process. So there is some importance to that. Remember that, brothers and sisters. Well, how do we know that? How do we know how we have an idea of what this might look like? Well, let's look at some text in Luke, the 24th chapter in the Gospel of Luke. Turn with me to that. We're going to kind of survey that chapter, if you would. Luke, the 24th chapter. Now, what we have here is the text in the gospel that talks a little bit about the resurrected Jesus. In verse 15, here's an example. As they walked and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, the post resurrection, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. The resurrected body of Christ. Identifiable. But out of the blue, just comes up and joins them in their conversation as they walk down the road. This is the resurrected Jesus. It's a continuation of who Jesus was. In verse 31, it says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. So while we see a resurrected Jesus in a bodily form, we see Jesus Moving around in a much different way. So the resurrection represents a body that's a continuation in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense, Jesus exemplifies someone who is much different. In verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Here, Jesus gives this calming effect. Why? Well, what would you be like if all of a sudden in your midst, somebody who you knew was dead standing next to you? I'd be thinking anything but peace. I'd be finding peace while I was running. Jesus brings a calming effect. So while in bodily form, he's there spiritually, Jesus is much different in the Gospel of John, chapter 20 and first verse 19 We see in this text on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. So they're they're running in fear. They're hiding. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. So he's in this omnipresent stage where he can just come and go as he pleases. It's different in a sense that we know Jesus Walked and talked on the earth, and but now he's back in bodily form. But he's coming and going and, and vanishing and appearing as he chooses and as he wishes. And this is Jesus in the spiritual body beyond resurrection. Have any of you ever seen the movie Terminator? Because as I was thinking about the, the, the spiritually resurrected body, I was thinking about the Terminator. Man, I'm going to be this spiritual machine that's been built that can't be destroyed. I mean, no matter what you do to it, I'm just going to keep getting up and coming back and getting up and coming back. How cool would that be? And in the same way that we enjoy diversity and variety in our original creation, we're going to be able to enjoy that same spirituality and variety in God's perfect resurrected comparison. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, 1 through about 26, we learn from the Bible that God created everything. And in everything of creation, there's so much variety and diversity. 
I found a, uh, a thought that I wanted to, to share with you. It's consider the infinite assortment of created things. Now, this is just in the realm of the different assortments of amino acids. And I will promise y'all, I am not a scientist in any way, shape or form. In fact, some of you who are really good at that kind of stuff, you may want to take me out in the parking lot after this sermon and beat me to death or something, because I may get this all wrong. But I thought this was really, really cool. The different assortments of amino acids that can be identified in creation right now is is would be the the equivalent of a one followed by a hundred and eight zeros. That's called the octadecillion. So not a million, not a billion octadecillion. I have a hard time even pronouncing that. But that's unbelievable in creation. That's what God created. That's how much he has. I mean, that's just an idea of what he has to work with. And if he can do that on his created side of the resurrection, he can do it on his raised side of the resurrection. In our resurrection, we can look forward to God's splendor. Look with me, if you would, at the screen at Psalm 148 and verse 13. The Bible says this. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. In Daniel 12, verse 3. The Bible teaches us the importance of the resurrection to all of us. Daniel writes, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The gospel writer in Matthew 13 and verse 43 says this, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears. Let them hear. The importance of the resurrection that goes beyond just Christianity in its entirety, but to you and to I is simply this. We become built spiritually tough. You remember the uh, the campaign Built Ford Tough? Anybody ever hear that or remember that campaign? Um, any of you uh, young men or young women, you ever remember the diligence Maybe one of your parents had in buying something like for me, my father would buy craftsman tools. I mean, he'd need a tool and he'd pass up 10 stores to get to Sears to buy a craftsman tool. Why? Lifetime warranty. Remember that? We do that all the time, don't we? We look for the longest warranty. We look for something that will have endurance. What the resurrection, if there's one thing. No matter how we look, no matter where we've been, no matter what seed it was that God's planted, the resurrected body will last for eternity to be with and be with God. We're not going to be forward tough. We're going to be built spiritually tough. The spiritual body indicates a body that is built naturally in a physical and organizational sense but radically different in a spiritual sense. I want to leave you with this thought this morning from Philippians 3 and verse 21. The writer says, Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control 
will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Spiritually resurrected is the ultimate lifetime warranty. As Christians, we strive, I hope we strive every day to be like Jesus. To live like Jesus. To, to love like Jesus. To forgive like Jesus. To speak with Jesus' words. To speak with His compassion. To allow ourselves to be driven by His Spirit. In all those things, there's one thing that I hope I connect with Jesus more than any other way, and that's in our resurrection. Because in the same way that God raised him from the grave and and allowed Jesus and guided him to walk out of that tomb, he wants me and he wants you to walk out of the grip of evil, of death and of sin, and be resurrected into a spiritual body that will last for eternity with him. That's his desire in this plan. And so next week, as we walk into this weekend where people around us, all around us, will have somewhat of a more open ear to Jesus and to the gospel of Christ. My prayer is that we won't walk away from that opportunity, that we won't turn our nose to that opportunity or think, well, that's just something we should do every week. So we're not going to take that. My plan, my hope for all of us is that we seize that opportunity. And we start with a Jesus that was described this morning in the first service, entering a town with the people cheering and the palm leaves being laid in front of him, being worshipped and exalted to the very, very next scene that you see in the Bible, being hung on a cross and crucified and put in a grave. And then enter into the glory of the end of the story. An empty tomb. And a Jesus that's walking among them on the earth. Encouraging them to be faithful. Encouraging them to live out their faith. This is what I hope for. Is that we teach and we share a risen Lord and a risen people. Saved from sin. Saved from evil. Saved from death. Because death should not have its grip. On us. This morning, maybe maybe some of you are like me, and like others I know, maybe maybe death has had way too much a part of your life. Maybe the fear of illness and strife and turmoil has has had way too big a role in your life recently, and you need a break from that. You need to put that behind you. This morning you have an opportunity that can start right here in this place. I promise you, whatever happens in that water, you will come up. You will be raised. You don't have to worry about that. And you'll be raised into an eternity with God. Don't let that moment pass. And don't let a moment pass where your family, your people can pray with you and be with you. Please come while we stand and sing.